0: to be bringing tremendous chaos and crime to the United States, which brings us to the story of the New York subway. Right. Daniel
1: Penny, who is a a veteran of the U.S. Marines, and he saw a psycho, dangerous, homeless lunatic screaming, yelling and threatening people on the New York City subway. And what he didn't realize is the new rules. The new rules is you don't do anything. You don't do anything to protect strangers. You don't even defend yourself. The new rules are America. You don't defend yourself because you remember the McCluskey's in Missouri, a mob of arsonists march onto their front lawn. They wave a gun at them. They're charged with a crime and stripped of their law licenses so they can't make a living. They're lawyers, they're stripped of their law licenses. It's like you forbidden to write ever again. Kyle Rittenhouse defended himself against a pedophile who was yelling, kill him, and who shot at him once. He had to go to trial for murder. Jake Gardner, U.S. combat veteran decorated hero, hounded to suicide after defending his elderly father and his bar against a felon who was looting the place. The point is, you can't even defend yourself. If someone is trying to steal your stuff, you just have to let them do it. If they're beating you up, just cover your face, curl up in a fetal position, and just say Barack Obama did, over and did over you again. hear?
0: Did you hear the story that Yomi Park told, I don't know if it was on my radio program, I don't think it was at Socrates in the city, but she writes about it in her book, that here she is a, a young 20-something mother with her two-year-old in a stroller. She is mugged uh, and uh, physically attacked Um, by some uh, black women on the main street in Chicago, right? Now, she's not a racist. She just objects to being physically attacked and robbed with a two-year-old. So she takes out her phone to record this and to let the police know a group of white Chicagoans called her racist for doing that. And that's why she left Chicago. But I thought to myself, this is so crazy. The question I I have to ask you, John, How do we fight this? It's one thing to say, oh, these are the new rules, but you don't accept them and I don't accept them. We know they're wrong and we know that we have to somehow fight back. Is it by uh, uh, figuring out a way to get these Soros prosecutors out? How do we, how do we fight against this madness?
1: That's the terrible thing. I live in Dallas, Texas, but we have a Soros prosecutor. So sure, I can have a gun, but if I use it in self-defense, I will be charged with murder because I'm a white male we are the key demographic of people who are not allowed to defend themselves, not allowed to do anything. Um, so I, I, I'm i actually, you know, it's kind of useless for me to have a gun because the Soros prosecutor will charge me with murder no matter what the circumstances and the local biased jury will probably convict me. Uh, just like in Austin, a Texas Ranger was attacked by a mob of Antifa and BLM demonstrators who pointed an AK-47 into his car and he shot them in self-defense. He was convicted of murder by a, a blue city, Austin, Texas jury. And we need the governor of the state to intervene and pardon him. This is how fundamental we are. They are creating a totalitarian society brick by brick. They're building a Berlin wall around us and we're doing absolutely nothing about it.
0: Folks, welcome to Monday's program. This is Monday, and this is the program. And I wanted to start immediately uh, with John Zmirak. John, welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you doing? Well, there's so many things to think about, to talk about. Uh, Obviously, for many people, this weekend was uh, different in that it was Mother's Day. Uh, I um, was up in Connecticut with my parents, one of whom... Actually, turns out to be my mother, and uh, I was—I uh, don't know why—very, um, very emotionally moved uh, by you know. Sometimes my parents can be deeply infuriating, <laughs> because I think because I care and I love them so much. But this uh, this weekend was uh, was just a special time that I got to be with them, um, and uh, and yet um, all through the weekend, we kept hearing news about the border. And I thought on Monday morning, I've got to ask John about the border. I still don't particularly understand what exactly is happening. If, if anyone can say what exactly is happening, but what are your what are your general thoughts? And then we can get into some particulars. Sure. Um, the border
1: is essentially open from the American point of view. From the Mexican point of view, it's controlled by the cartels, which are human traffickers and drug smugglers. We have ceded sovereignty of the U.S. border, not even to the Mexican government, but to Mexican criminal gangs.
0: It's that simple. Okay, John, so when people say that, like, I know that's true. I know you're not making that up. But then the question becomes, how is that possible? How is it possible that you have a... Uh, a a United States government that would allow anything even close to what you just said. How, how does that become possible? Well, first I'll give you the legal loopholes through which it happens. Okay.
1: Um, The border is crawling with Soros, Soros type attorneys, uh, attorneys who are funded by nonprofits by organizations that make money from the U.S. government spending money on immigrants, legal and illegal. One of the worst is Catholic Charities, which is neither Catholic nor a charity. It is about as Catholic as Planned Parenthood. Catholic Charities exist to suction, to hoover up federal money and give some of it to the bishops.
0: But um, John Paul II and Benedict didn't seem to do anything about this. In other words, when we when we had good guys uh, in the Vatican like that, they, they seem to turn a blind eye. What, what do you say? I just, as a non-Catholic, I have to ask the question because I keep hearing about these liberal Catholic institutions. How does, how did that happen?
1: Well, Catholic charities started off as genuine charities, but, um, the moment you offer government money, it starts to attract a whole different type of person. And Catholic charities tends to be full of people who dropped at a seminary or left the priesthood uh, usually because they don't really believe in the doctrines of the Catholic Church but they, they still kind of want to be linked to this organization that has lots of people and lots of money and lots of visibility. so they they find a niche in some Catholic organization where they can still feel connected. Um, and there's tons of government money. The last time they issued they, they issued their budget, the U.S Catholic Bi- Council of Catholic Bishops, Said forty percent of their funds came from the U.S. federal government.
0: Well, we we've talked about this in the past. I do not mean to 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 drag us in too much in that direction, but when well, you all right, say- so let me get
1: back let me get back to why this is happening.
0: Right, right.
1: Republicans like George W. Bush touted compassionate conservatism, and they were so eager to prove that they were good aristocratic wasps with a noblesse oblige attitude. And also they they liked having cheap servants. Um, they changed the law wait even before Obama got in so that anybody can just cross the border from Latin America and say, I have a legitimate fear of being persecuted by my government. And then all of a sudden the whole machinery of due process of law kicks in, you know, that the January 6th defendants are not benefiting from. Uh, And all of a sudden, it's like the U.S. government has to prove that they're lying
0: now. So are you saying that this was instituted under George W. Bush? Yes. So before George W. Bush, this theater was not happening.
1: Right. Things were not nearly this bad under Bill Clinton. He might have wanted them to be, but they weren't. Okay. Um, excuse
0: me, but this is newsy to me. When when I learn something like this from you, I want to say I want to stop and say, hang on. That's a very big deal. I didn't know that. So thank you for that. Um, compassionate conservatism was a, a coin, a term coined by Marvin Olasky. And of course, a lot of people get annoyed by it because it implies conservatism is not compassionate, uh, which is basically a lie. But right. you're telling me that under the guise of that and under the administration uh, of George W. Bush, right. these terms were set in place whereby... People can come in and instantly, uh, whether they need it really or don't, pretend that they are uh, under some kind of threat, apply for asylum. And it's a ruse, basically. It's a way to get them in.
1: So the laws as originally written were for people like Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Right. Now, anybody who shows up from any foreign country can say, I'm being oppressed by the government. Now, we know Mexico is not a totalitarian dictatorship oppressing people politically. We know the same is true of Honduras. The only country countries in the hemisphere that where that might be a legitimate claim are Venezuela and Cuba. But that's not where these people are coming from. Uh, So it's just all a lie. It's the kind of lie. It's like. Divorce lawyers who encourage women to accuse their husband who they're divorcing to say he he molested the children. They it's almost a universal tactic to just throw that out there to mess with them, to, to get the to maybe get the judge on the side. And, and ju- it's just a cheap, dishonest tactic. Well, that is now the law was that was the state of the law. Until Donald Trump used COVID and put in and put in this article 25, I think it was, uh, which said, because of COVID, we can't just accept everybody who just makes up some crap about being political, you know, the government of Honduras is persecuting me for my political ideas. Yeah, I picked grapes. I, I didn't go to school, but I'm a political dissident here in Honduras, which is a democracy. Um, so Trump used COVID and got the border under control. Now Biden has has suspended that uh, because you know, COVID was such a threat. right? Uh, but anyway, the only good thing that came out of COVID was some control over our Southern border. Biden doesn't want there to be any control over the Southern border, southern border and neither did the Democrats for a few important reasons. First of all, they're only interested in power. They don't care what happens to the country.
0: Well, first of all, we know we know that you mentioned before you get on this, you yeah. mentioned Soros explain mm-hmm. to us uh, how Soros is involved in the chaos at the southern border.
1: Well, the way he identified prosecutors and promoted them in different American cities, um, he wrote up the talking points, basically the the script, his organizations, his pro-immigration organizations that funded people like Russell Moore, uh, they write up a script that's provided in Spanish to the so-called refugee who just wants to live in America. His kids will get, get school for free. He'll get health care. You know, he can work illegally off the books and not pay taxes. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I, I'd like to do that in Switzerland. So he shows up, he's arrested. Immediately, these immigration attorneys show up. They have looked on the web and found one of these scripts. And they just say, I have legitimate fear of being persecuted for my political beliefs or sexual orientation. And they just basically coach the immigrants to say that. And then the, right. it has to go to a judge
0: and they have to be let go. So they disappear into the country and we never see them again. OK, more uh, when we come back, folks, we're talking to John Zmirak. Uh, if you're one of those people who hasn't given to CSI, go to metaxastalk.com. Give five or ten dollars metaxastalk.com. Thank you. Welcome back. We're talking to John Zmirak. Happy Monday, John. We're talking about the border and you're you're helping us uh, understand what's going on down there. I I read an article. I think it was the Gateway Pundit. I posted it on Twitter about how um, Obama, while at Columbia, uh, sat under two professors. I'm trying to think of the names. One of them is Piven clive and piven or something like that uh do you know anything about that vaguely familiar well basically that which which is what i've suspected all along is that these folks want to destroy america want to erase the southern border so that i mean i think a lot of people sense this that this is not compassion or this is not whatever when you know you're you're giving these people over to the cartels it's a nightmare but that the real goal of these leftists who are anti-american george soros uh the former president they are wanting uh to destroy america as we know it and they're using this uh as a way to do that
1: right Uh, let's be very specific they want to destroy the historic america which has an anglo-protestant base which is a country that is suspicious of government authority that is that is very independent-minded very you know self-reliant wants to have guns to protect itself demands freedom of religion and freedom of speech doesn't think everybody should be a client of the government, thinks you should basically sink or swim on your own or rely on private charity. The America that the founders and that Abraham Lincoln and the people who fought World War II, the America that existed before 1968 is uniquely resistant to Marxism. Communism never became a bit major movement in the US, even among the working classes. The labor unions, the Communist Party tried to take over all the labor unions in America. And it was Italians and Irish and Polish workers, ordinary workers who went to church and didn't have any room, any, any truck with atheism, who threw the communists out. Uh, Ronald Reagan became a conservative watching the communists take over the writers' union in. Los Angeles. Uh, So it was the AFL-CIO in the 80s which funded solidarity with Reagan's help. So the American working classes have proven to be resistant to socialism, resistant to Marxism, resistant to all these secular materialist, utopian ideologies. And the left banged his head against the wall for a hundred years, trying to turn America's blue-collar people into Marxists. They have finally given up. They are not happy with the American people, and they decided to dissolve them and replace them with a the new people. And people in Latin America, poor people in Latin America, have proven much more amenable to socialism and Marxism. They've taken over entire countries. They've managed to gain popular, popular support. So basically, they said, okay, fine, open the border, smash up. This bourgeois system uh, that relies on little churches that say whatever they want and individual citizens carrying guns and small businesses doing whatever they want. We want everything centrally controlled from Washington, D.C., according to our ideology, because then we'll have more power. And basically, this is not even about an idealistic commitment to Marxism. It is a mafia-like desire for power itself.
0: Well, um, it's interesting because anyone who's actually lived under communism, anybody uh, who has parents who lived in Cuba or who came from Cuba, they are the fiercest advocates uh, of anti-communism, of of freedom. So it's kind of fascinating uh, in a way that a, a lot of these poor people uh, that, of course, they want to come to America. Who wouldn't want to come to America when you're, you're coming from any place the south of, of, of our border? So you can't blame them. The question is, uh, how is it possible that people in our government would care so little about any of the good things that you've mentioned? And also, because it has to be said, and you, you mentioned it, turning things over to these cartels, these are some of the most wicked wicked, evil, cruel criminals in the world. Those are the ones who are taking over the lives of vulnerable women and children. It's satanic. And our government is turning a blind eye simply to that crime, if there were nothing else, to turn a blind eye to that kind of crime.
1: The drug cartels of Latin America, they make the mafia in, in movies like The Godfather look like the little sisters of the poor. Yeah, These cartels will massacre birthday parties and kill all the children in order to get the guy who's the waiter. They they will wipe out whole villages. Um, large parts of Mexico are controlled by these cartels to the point where the government really is not sovereign. It, it's tragic. In, in 2000, I went down to Mexico for the one time in my life and I went to the city of Monterrey At the time, it was wealthy and and humming. It was like Dallas with refried beans and salsa. But I mean, it, it had beautiful old 17th century churches and even the slums had a certain dignity to them where people hung out decorations and had religious pictures. And I thought, this is beautiful. If only all of Mexico were like this. I've since talked to people Uber drivers and people, immigrants who who, who lived in Monterey since. And it, it was taken over by the cartels. And it is now a hellhole, just like Juarez and Mexico City. And it's heartbreaking. There are millions of people, good, honest, well-meaning family people who would like to live in an orderly society. And uh, there's no hope of that in Mexico. A lot of them are coming to America looking for it. And the Democrats are using those same people to smash it up because they think these people and when they're finally legalized or their children are more likely to vote Democrat because they're used to big government. They're used to socialism. Um, Also, they want to continue to demonize conservatism and Christianity and America's institutions as being connected to white supremacy. So they think they can use ethnic loyalty to get these people, you know, you're all people of color. We're gonna vote against the people of pallor. And and smashing up the ethnic majority of America is not even just a goal in itself. It's a means to an end. If you have no ethnic majority in a country, you can't have the kind of freedom we in America are used to, because what you will have is a Hobbesian struggle for tr- for power among the tribes. I know this because my family comes from the former Yugoslavia.
0: Well, now, why do you say ethnic the word majority former? and Wait, not cultural emphasis? majority? I don't really get that. Sorry, why do you say ethnic majority? Well, and by not... ethnic, I mean I mean cultural. I mean, but I think you have to be careful because that's the are kind are of the point. To- you well, have to have a mono. You have to have an American culture. There has to be such a thing. But that obvi- culture is
1: connected to where you're from, who you who you intermarry with. So if everybody's willing to intermarry, then that's fine. But if you have groups that won't, that really don't marry each other, that cre- that creates division. Okay. So if it, I'm talking about the difference between Yugoslavia and Poland. Okay, Yugoslavia has tribes. They don't intermarry. They don't deal with each other and they're all fight. They all squabble for power over the central government. The only way to hold them together was a dictatorship.
0: Okay, John, so excuse me, but the the point I think you're making larger point. It's about assimilation. It's about buying into something larger than one's tribe uh, or than one's ethnicity. And we see that I see that in New York all the time I get in a cab And I start talking to a foreign cab driver who obviously loves America and thinks the enemies of America are crazy, even though he himself from Afghanistan or from any other place. It's about buying into the ideas of America and the enemies of America are against those ideas. And they're using any means necessary. What you're talking about at the southern border, uh, I mean, giving things over to the cartels is just satanic giving things over. Uh, to, to people who are, they're, they're too weak and vulnerable even to think for themselves. So obviously they're going to go along with whatever they can, but it's meant to destroy America. Albin gave me the name. It's the Cloward-Piven Doctrine. This was something at Columbia University, two professors uh, uh, put this forward. But the point is this idea of destroying America's uh, culture, a culture of liberty, I want to be clear, a culture of liberty for all, um, has been systematically destroyed through the decades. Uh, this is something Obama was pushing for when he talked about a radical transformation of America. And this goes on and on and on. And here we are now, right now. So uh, we're going to go to a break. But I want to be clear, folks, that this is intentional. This is not something that we can do nothing about. It's intentional. George Soros is behind it. It seems clear that Obama and his gang are behind it. And George, uh, Joe Biden is going along with it. Uh, we'll be right back talking to John Zmirak. Welcome back, talking to John Zmirak. Uh, you know, John, what I wanted to say was that what we're seeing at the southern border, we're also seeing in places like San Francisco, which has become the human feces capital of the world. Thank you, Nancy Pelosi. We are seeing a breakdown of order of social order that we have never seen in America. It's absolutely astonishing that what we're want. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who um, works in really, really super high end retail talking about uh, wanting to, you know, uh, have a footprint in San Francisco and realizing not a chance. There is no way we will risk having a storefront in San Francisco. So the Democrat policies seem sometimes intentionally and sometimes at least semi-unintentionally to be bringing tremendous chaos and crime to the United States, which brings us to the story of the New York subway. Right. Daniel
1: Penny, who is a a veteran of the U.S. Marines, and he saw a psycho, dangerous, homeless lunatic screaming, yelling, and threatening people on the New York City subway. And what he didn't realize is the new rules. The new rules is you don't do anything. You don't do anything to protect strangers. You don't even defend yourself. The new rules are America. You don't defend yourself. Because you remember the McCluskeys in Missouri, a mob of arsonists march onto their front lawn. They wave a gun at them. They're charged with a crime and stripped of their law licenses so they can't make a living. They're lawyers, they're stripped of their law licenses. It's like you forbidden to write ever again. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse defended himself against a pedophile who was yelling, kill him and who shot at him once. He had to go to trial for murder. Jake Gardner, US combat veteran decorated hero, hounded to suicide after defending his elderly father and his bar against a felon who was looting the place. The point is you can't even defend yourself. If someone is trying to steal your stuff, you just have to let them do it. If they're beating you up, just cover your face, curl up in a fetal position, and just say Barack Obama over and over again.
0: Did you hear the story that Yomi Park told? I don't know if it was on my radio program. I don't think it was at Socrates in the city, but she writes about it in her book, that here she is, a a young 20-something mother with her two-year-old in a stroller. She is mugged uh, and uh, physically attacked Um, by some uh, black women on the main street in Chicago. Right now, she's not a racist. She just objects to being physically attacked and robbed with a two year old. So she takes out her phone to record this and to let the police know a group of white Chicagoans called her racist for doing that. And that's why she left Chicago. But I thought to myself, this is so crazy. The question I I have to ask you, John, how do we fight this? It's one thing to say, oh, these are the new rules, but you don't accept them and I don't accept them. We know they're wrong and we know that we have to somehow fight back. Is it by uh, uh, figuring out a way to get these Soros prosecutors out? How do we how do we well, fight you know, against this madness?
1: That's the terrible thing. I live in Dallas, Texas, but we have a Soros prosecutor. So sure, I can have a gun, but if I use it in self-defense, I will be charged with murder because I'm a white male we are the key demographic of people who are not allowed to defend themselves, not allowed to do anything. Um, so I, I, I'm actually, you know, it's kind of useless for me to have a gun because the Soros prosecutor will charge me with murder no matter what the circumstances, and the local biased jury will probably convict me, uh, just like in Austin, a Texas Ranger was attacked by a mob of anti-fa and BLM demonstrators who pointed an AK-47 into his car and he shot them in self-defense. He was convicted of murder by an, a, a Blue City, Austin, Texas jury. And we need the governor of the state to intervene and pardon him. This is how fundamental we are. They are creating a totalitarian society brick by brick. They're building a Berlin Wall around us and we're doing absolutely nothing about it. So yes, we have to kick out these Soros prosecutors. We also have to commit to serving on juries and resolving we are going to acquit people who defend themselves, period. That the fundamental rights of the American founding of self-defense, of private property, of free speech and freedom of religion, these things are sacred. And these are precisely the things the left wants to destroy. That's why they're tearing down statues. That's why they wanted to tear down the statues of the founders because they don't want there to be a constitution that, that that reigns in their power. They want to shake the etch-a-sketch and start America from scratch. It's year zero the way it was with the Khmer Rouge when they took over Cambodia. You can't point to the constitution. You can't point, those are dead white males. Those were slave owners. Those were racist. No, you have no protection right.
0: against our well, money. But, but I still we I still believe we we live in America where most people know that that's wrong. but the problem is that most people have to get activated and have to fight. and and that's part of what I think uh, if any good can come out of these nightmares that we're describing is that people will say finally, oh, I, I need to do something. I should have done something, I didn't do something. I better do something right now. Uh, whatever that something is, Some people didn't even vote. Uh, some people don't understand that they have civic duties, that if you don't execute these civic duties, if you don't take this seriously, you end up living in one of these crime zones where you you have no rights and so on and so forth. Um, I, I, I guess uh, we're going to go to another break here, but you know, I, I want to tell people yet another book came out by some pastor in Tennessee basically saying, it's so terrible, we're so divided, why can't we get along? We can't get along, folks, because there are people pointing guns at our heads, whether literally or figuratively, you you can't just pretend that that's not happening. You have to fight against that. You have to pray against it. You have to take it seriously. And a lot of people don't want to. They wanna pretend we can go back to a time before of all of this, which we cannot. We'll be right back. Folks, before I forget, uh, I was just told by Albin that our campaign with Christian Solidarity International, CSI, to free slaves, uh, it's going reasonably well because some people have been generous. Here's the bad news. Only 98 people have donated. Um, so I'm grateful for the generous donations. But the larger goal is to get everyone to participate, folks, Any anything you give. Uh, so I want to exhort you, please, if you're not one of those 98, uh, to go to metaxistalk.com. And to give anything you like, you can give $5 a month, you can give $5 one time. We, we just want more people to participate. This is a really holy privilege that we get to free people from the nightmare of actual slavery. So please go to metaxastalk.com or call 888-253-3522, 888-253-3522. John's Mirak. Uh, i get to talk to you more and i like talking to you uh i I don't know if it's too much of a you know jerk sideways but trump uh, had the cnn town hall last week and i find the whole thing so delicious that it's just it it, it just is so hilarious to me that that cnn figures like hey our ratings are in the tank uh we've got a win-win we'll get donald trump on because fox news Uh, doesn't like Trump anymore. We'll get him to come on and we will destroy him. So they have him on. He effectively destroys them. I don't know how it's possible that in New Hampshire, CNN allowed all these uh, looked like pro-Trump people into the uh, uh, auditorium. But it's one of the most funny, delightful things I've seen. And it reveals to my mind, again, that Donald Trump, for for whatever uh, faults he has, seems to understand America in a way that a lot of the other uh, uh, candidates, even on the right, don't. He has an ability to connect, which I think at this point is really vital.
1: A political genius is a rare thing. It's something that kind of falls from the sky, maybe once a generation. And if a party doesn't know how to take advantage of getting a political genius and grooming him and straightening him out and giving him guidance and giving him support and, and get, calling him reeling him back when he makes mistakes uh but the democrats were given bill clinton after decades of decline after dukakis after gary hart mondale Walter mondale but then all of a sudden like a meteorite The glorious, charming sociopath, Bill Clinton falls in their lap. Uh, We got Ronald Reagan. Uh, After that, what did we have? Bob Dole. George W. Bush, who is like an embarrassment. He was always an embarrassment. I I don't want
0: to curse on the air, but I have to. Mitt Romney.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, boy, talk about somebody who's been forgotten. Paul Ryan. Talk about people who nobody thinks about anymore. Nobody will ever think about again, including maybe their family members. Their family members may have forgotten that they exist. Uh, So we get Trump. He is our Bill Clinton. He's our Barack Obama in that he is a political genius like Napoleon, a genius at gaining power and leading people and inspiring people. What do we do? we treat him like a dead rat floating in the punch bowl the republican party establishment acts like he is worse than the north korean communists why because he's a threat to their control i'm not kidding of the Keurig machines and the xerox machines and the fund and and the rolodex and the the fundraising apparatus the republican party was taken over by incredibly selfish, shallow, elitist caps like George W. Bush and Karl Rove, who all they care about is their personal profit and their personal power. They don't care about the country. They don't care about the people. They don't care about the ideals. They don't care at all. To them, politics is a business the way, I don't know, selling fentanyl is a business to to dealers on the street. And so when Trump threatened their control over the institution, rather than cut a deal with them, which would be the normal thing to do, and people, a few people like Reince Priebus did that. No, they decided we're going to side with the Democrats. We don't care what it does to the country. We're gonna side with the Democrats and destroy this man because we'd rather be in charge of a permanent rump minority Republican party that mints money for us. Excuse me,
0: if I can quote Satan and John Milton, they'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. That really does seem to be the devil's bargain that many uh, Republicans have struck.
1: They raise more money when the Democrats are in power. So for their personal purposes, It's more profitable to have a Democrat president than they can pretend they're going to be repeal Obamacare and shake gullible patriots down for hundreds
0: of millions of dollars. Well, look what what Trump did on CNN the other day, if you want some measure, you know, it's like what's on the Richter scale. I have never literally never seen the left go so crazy. You had that Rick uh, Wilson or whatever of the Lincoln Project. You had Anderson Cooper and others just spitting with 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 a horror and apologizing uh, for for letting this this anti-American monster that that's who they think Donald Trump is. He's against democracy and he's a liar. And but I thought the level, the histrionic level of of what they said after this uh, town hall, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. It was comedy, comedy, comedy.
1: Notice what you said. You mentioned Rick Wilson, allegedly a Republican. He is the icon of the Republican establishment. But, you know, they did the same thing to Pat Buchanan in 1992. Pat Buchanan was another great American who, by the way, was right about everything. Everything he said that got him canceled in the 90s has 100 percent been proven true. Go to YouTube and find his 1992 Republican convention speech. And it was brilliant. Brilliant. It was prophetic. And it was followed by uh, hy- hysterical hemming and hawing by establishment I, Republicans, especially William Bennett. William Bennett came on ABC to explain how basically uh, Papua County doesn't represent anyone. And we're just profoundly embarrassed and ashamed.
0: we are I, I am really sorry to hear that about Bill Bennett. What a pity. What a pity. I remember it all well. We'll be right back more with John Smirak. Coming up in hour two, I'm going to have a very highfalutin conversation with uh, Hadley Arcus, who's written a book on natural law. Uh, it's a very important subject uh, that's coming up in hour two. John, we just got a few minutes left. We're talking about Trump, the way they despised Pat Buchanan. I remember it well. It's now 31 years ago. It seems like yesterday how they hated him, how they hated Reagan in many ways, but yeah. It's very similar. They are they have lost their minds. When this guy Rick Wilson from the Lincoln Project w- was was on the air, he was just cursing over and over and over. He's just cursing. He's so angry. He has nothing to do but but to curse at at the at the nightmare of CNN giving, you know, Adolf Hitler, I mean Donald Trump yeah. a few minutes on the air.
1: Well, let me just say this very clearly. The anti-Trump Republicans were like the French who joined the Vichy government and collaborated with the Nazis. They don't care about the country. They care about their personal profit and their personal power. And they're willing to sell out the country to essentially a foreign totalitarian occupational government so that their paychecks won't bounce, so that they can have still cont- pretend they, they control Algeria. That's why I coined the term David Vichy French. That's why when I talk about Russell Moore, I regard him as a stalking horse of the radical left. These people are willing to sell out everything they ever pretended to care about just so they can cling to their membership at the country club
0: and their paycheck. John, look, the sad thing is that is true. It is true. It is hard for me to process uh, and it's hard for a lot of people to process that there are people today who genuinely don't care about The country about the people poor people in this country working class in this country we know they've somehow persuaded themselves that they do that they're doing the noble thing but when you're talking about people like russell moore and and david french it's it's really just tough to process that they could somehow square their quote-unquote evangelical christian faith it's 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 a nightmare and a lot of people have swallowed this lie which of course is why i wrote my book letter to the american church uh it's why we have a lot of these conversations because a lot of people are being taken in by what sounds very nice like the term compassionate conservatism sounded 20 years ago well
1: you see i'm one of those cynics who at the time when i heard compassionate conservatism i said oh so he wants uh, cheap gardeners and cheap nannies and sure enough george w bush wrote a beautiful mem- m- memoir about the Mexican maids who raised him because his mother was too busy. That just sums everything up. He he thinks everybody in America needs immigrants to raise them because their parents are too busy be, being the president's ex the, the ex-president's wife. Uh, disgusting elitists who are so out of touch with what ordinary Americans need, people who never need to take the subway. So they don't understand why subway crime matters. Why don't you just have a driver? And a black car waiting for you all the time. If you're gonna need. If you're gonna need to ride the subway. Well, I mean, I guess what that's what happens to people like that. People who who, who blue collar workers. Why would you do that? Why don't you just go to Harvard? Well, why don't you just ask your dad to set up a foundation for you? Uh it it is that bad. And and Donald Trump, even though he was rich had worked most of his life with construction workers. He'd been on with hard hats. He knew ordinary Americans. And so he was still in touch with the basics of America. He's basically still a patriot and not that many John, American politicians are patriots. But John, he
0: doesn't understand the doctrine of the atonement properly. Don't you understand that's the only thing that matters, John, what's wrong with you? John, uh, I love talking to you. Uh, I cannot wait till your book comes out. I want to talk to you about your book. It's going to come out soon, folks. uh, In hour two, we're talking about natural law with uh, a really great mind. Hadley Arcus, John, my friend. Thank you.
1: Thank you. The Rhodesian Ridgeback was bred to hunt lions, and I can't help but think that was a little bit of a shock to it when it found out. So we've done all the breeding, all the different pedigrees, all thousands, all the miles around, a big passing out parade. There's a bloke in a square with a a white coat and a clipboard. And he goes, right, dogs. And they all go, what, what, what? Who wants to know what jobs they've got? We all do, we all do. Okay. Labradors. Yeah. Do you like carefully bringing back dead ducks? Yeah. That's your job. Amazing. That is amazing. That is my favourite job. That is my favourite job. (laughs) Miniature poodles. Yeah. Do you like being carried around by elderly homosexuals? (laughs) Yeah. That's your job. That's your job. (laughs) Ridgebacks. Yo. (laughs) You're hunting lions. What?